I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom To my own song Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning? Or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. All I gotta do is count one, two, three. To my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me. Cause I'm doing my thing and I hold the key to all my wants. I'm real excited today. I have Lacey Babich, and I cannot wait to dive in, find out a little bit more about you. So welcome this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Lacey, let's jump right in. If somebody were to describe you both personally and professionally, what would they say about Lacey? I am always out there just trying to help my community in whatever way that I possibly can. So helpful. Uh, I'm always offering assistance, whether that's at work, through my military community that I'm involved with, or uh, just in my own personal community that I train with. I have a team that I train for Ironmans with. We I just try and build that sense of community around myself and I find that it helps me, you know, build self-character, but also give back. Um, So really involved in my community, I think is one way that people would, would, uh, you know, describe me, I guess. So yeah, jumping right in. Well, and and it sounds like you have some interests and some passions that automatically create a group. But Tom, but what do you do professionally? So professionally, I am in higher education. I work with um, students to get them all the way from the beginning process of starting college, through the admissions process, through academic advising, all the way through actually teaching as a professor myself. So I'm Hi, I'm jumped right into higher education, and then I'm also pursuing my PhD as well in history to help give back in the nonprofit sector. Hopefully, once I've completed that. So, so have you seen a lot of change in that type of career and the the people that you work with and the opportunities? I have. It's really shifted since COVID. The higher education has. I'd taken maybe a step back of not as Im- important in the hiring process nowadays. We've seen probably in the last two or three years that the actual amount of students leaving high school and going to college, whether at the community level or to the four-year degree and up programs, is actually declining. 
Um, so that's that's a worry across the higher education. How how do we need to shift the way that we're teaching to get students to come? Um, they're just finding that a lot of jobs are hiring straight out of college now versus needing that degree to get your foot in the door. It doesn't seem as important as it used to. Um, or straight out of high all, school? Yeah, straight, straight out, out of high school. So colleges are having to shift the way that they do things. And I've, you know, there's been several articles that I've read that, you know, in maybe in five to 10 years, a lot of those smaller colleges that just can't change and shift focus on how we teach, um, they're actually going to go away. Like they won't be with us anymore. You know, your four-year colleges with the big sports programs will always be a center of their community, but these smaller community colleges may not be able to make this, make it. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of that's been defined by COVID. Well, and all of a sudden um, it became a spotlight on what we were spending and, you know, um, is it worth, you know, taking on the debt. And I guess when, when I came along and especially in the group that I was in, you know, it was life didn't begin until you finished your, your college. And then your life started beginning, but now with so many practicums and, and things that, uh, that get put up front, it makes it, I mean, I can remember wanting to start my internship the first semester and they were like, no, it doesn't work that way, dear. But I think we're seeing a a big shift in the way that uh, K through 12 is taught as well. What we were learning, you know, 20 years ago in high school, they're steps ahead of us. So I don't know that college has really shifted their, you know, their first two years to catch, catch up with what K through 12 is doing. Oh, wow. You know, so, I mean, I, I tutor actually students, um, I tutor um, maybe a middle school and freshmen or sophomores in AP history. And these guys are steps ahead of where my, you know, 100 level history college class are. The way oh, that wow. they're thinking, the way that they're teaching, the way that classes are presented is just light years ahead of what we're teaching up, you know, the 100 levels in college. So I think there needs to be a shift in how colleges are adapting to this new yeah. wave of students coming because, you know, you can graduate college or graduate high school and already have an associate's degree. Oh, I know. I know. So that, how are and we, then if you have to start in on your college career with these upper level classes, you don't have the cushion for your GPA. Yeah, easy classes. don't have the experience. Like you've been yeah. with your mom and dad. And while as the rest of us, you know, 20 years ago, we went off to college. We did freshman, sophomore years. And we learned how to, you know, organize and kind of, we learned through those first couple of years of college on how to go to college. Whereas yeah. now these kids are graduating you know, with associates and they're being thrown in junior, senior year and the demands are, are higher. And I don't know that they have the skills to be able to do that. So I think there just needs to be a shift in higher education. I think it's going to take a couple of years to figure all this out. Um, And then also just how we go to school is different from two years ago, three years ago with COVID. So schools are still trying to figure out how to keep people on campus 
but also meet the demand for, um, you know, people that don't want to come to campus or only want to go, you know, we work remote now, so schools should be more remote. So a lot of schools are having to adapt how they handle higher education. So. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. What would you tell the student as they're um, looking toward higher education? What would your be, what would be your advice for them to kind of sit down and ponder options? Well, if they were leaving high school with just their normal high school diploma and they were coming in as, you know, a freshman undergrad, I would really sit down and talk to them about what's the what's the goal that we're trying to reach with this. I know a lot of people come in, you know, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a physical therapist, you know, they have, but what, yeah, that's a great degree, but where are you trying to take it? So teaching them end game trying to get them to think about it at least a little bit more than I know so many students that come in and they want to switch their majors all the time. Like they just are inconsistent on what they want to do. And that just racks up. um, If they're having to take out student loans, that's more student debt that they're having to take. So I always would push scholarship. There's so much out there that people just don't tend to try and get, but just focusing on where do you want to, where do you see yourself in five years? and getting them to really sit down and think about it, and then trying to match a plan to what they want to do. Um, A lot of students nowadays know, you know, I want to work in business. I want to own my own business. All right. Okay. So let's look at degrees that can work for that. You may not need a four-year degree. You could just do that with a two-year, you know, associates in business, and we check off the core classes and maybe do some marketing electives. I think it's just meeting more of the student's actual goals than pushing, you know, degrees all the time. Cause that's not necessarily what everybody needs. They don't need a four-year degree. They may just need a two-year. Um, I know that's not the best interest for the school, but I found is just doing this job that taking time to talk to students and figure out what they want to do and where they want to go um, actually changes the plan that they walked into my office with. So just getting to know your student base and, and just, treating them rather than a dollar sign as a person and taking that into account. I think a lot of big universities forget that. We don't treat our students as people. We just see them as numbers and enrollments. And I think that that's where we lose them at the end of the day. That's interesting. Lacey, are you in your career where you thought you'd be? Is this what you set out to do? Yeah, no, not at all. So (laughs) I've been married to the military and to my husband for 16 years. So I've lived all over the world. Um, I have lived in Colorado, Italy, Montana, Texas, New Mexico, and now I'm in the Netherlands. Um, So with that comes, you know, having to move every couple of years. And I've been really, really fortunate of being able to work for the federal government for almost 15 years of that. But with coming to the Netherlands, I had to shift my focus completely and uh, start working as a contractor university here in the Netherlands to geared towards like military students. But um, no, not at all. I actually saw myself graduating college 
before I got married, uh, you know, going off to grad school on the East Coast and becoming a doctorate way earlier than this and working as like a park ranger. And now here I am 16 years later, just starting. I'm um, in my junior year of my PhD program and I've acquired two other masters along the way. And I've been blessed that, you know, I've had the military to help me with funding through scholarships and things. I haven't had to go through the scholarship, the, the federal loan issues, but uh, yeah, just, it's been a wild journey and it's not quite where I saw myself. And I'm taking steps to um, finish my PhD and looking away from higher education a little bit, maybe more towards getting my foot in the nonprofit sector. I've got some, some people out there with their ears to the ground and trying to help me get into that. So not well, at all. Military that, has a fun way of doing that. It does. It does. Which probably makes you very good at your job because you're able to really talk about, Hey, refine those goals and, and look, life can shift and it's okay. Um, you talked about traveling and being all over the world. Let's, let's jump that direction. Um, you don't just live in different places. You really travel. You travel yes. a lot for fun. So go down that road a little bit for me of um, what's that like? Why do you do it? What do you feel when you go on a trip? Does it just absolutely rejuvenate you? Does it, you know, reflect where you are and what you're doing? How, how does that it's, play into your life? It's a big part of my life and it's why I work is so I can get to do those things. Um, I don't have any children, so I have two golden retrievers and those are my, those are my children. But um, because I don't have kids, I have a little bit more flexibility to be able to travel whenever I want. And any opportunity that I can get out of my town, I take. Um, it just feels like it opens up my soul, like rejuvenates who I am, just gets me excited to visit different cultures and see different things. Um, so any, almost any weekend I will try and whether it's just going down the road to a different town, I think it's important, but especially just being overseas, it really gives you a shift in, you know, wow, just absorbing those other cultures. I think it makes you have a broader perspective on what's happening in the world. Like you, aren't just stuck in this small little bubble. Like you've, you've explored the world. So I think you have a broader understanding of what's going on. And I think that's important because I see a lot of that today. I don't want to say that I don't want to come back to the States, but uh, I love being in Europe. Just it's exciting. And uh, I know like tomorrow I could just hop a train to Paris and that's just awesome. Like no, like people just don't, get to live their lives that way. So while I may not have the career that I want, I've been blessed with the opportunities of being able to travel wherever I pretty much want whenever I can. So yeah, it just, it's exciting. And my friends are always like, where are you off to this weekend? So yeah. Well, there's probably a little bit of envy there. Cause I, I know, I know one of your friends and I, I uh, am often envious of where Amy is going. Oh, I'm so envious of where she is right now. It's like, why did you not tag me for this trip? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so 
when people talk about work balance, life balance, it sounds to me that's how you, that's, it sounds like to me, that's how you handle balance. That's how you, what you do is the, the work is there, but the travel balances out life. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, I think between the travel and just having, um, like I train as well, that gives me outlets. I think traveling is that way as well. It's an outlet from stress from everyday life. Um, you know, whether it's the military or it's my job, I know, I know this weekend that my husband and I are going, you know, just a couple hours down the road to go to a couple of museums and, you know, hit this restaurant in this town that I've been wanting to go to. So I, like, I use it as a way to, all right, just get through this week. You know, we're traveling this weekend. So you're going to have a break to breathe and enjoy yourself and, and let loose a little bit. So it's just kind of my way of, you know, handling, handling just normal life and the little joys that I know that are coming up. So. Well, how do you make travel easy and not stressful? Um, I think, I think it's having the right travel partners. Uh, yeah, I like, I either like to travel by myself or I have like one or two or my spouse or one or two friends that I travel with. Um, and it's just kind of, we are very easygoing. We don't stress ourselves out with having so much to do. Cause I think if you like try and squeeze it all in, in just a couple of days, you lose the, the joy of just being there in general. You, you're just focused on getting from point A to point B to point C instead of absorbing what's going on around you. I think my friend can tell you that I could just sit at a cafe in Florence drinking a cappuccino sitting outside and just have the best day. It's the conversations with the friends. It's absorbing what's going on around you and the culture and just being somewhere different. So I think, I think it's uh, just having the right people to travel with and to not overdo it. You can, there's no reason you can't go back. People that come here, um, you know, sometimes will want to do so much. And I'm like, all right, let's tailor it down to what are the things that are the most important that we see? Okay. You want to see this and this. All right. So we spread it out and then whatever happens in between there is kind of just like, it's a, it's the fun part, but they're still meeting what they really wanted to come and see. It's about spending time with friends and family too. I, I hate having like itineraries for vacations. I want to just go and it takes the relaxation out of it, honestly. So it's just, uh, like I said, not overdoing it when you travel. I, I am blessed to be able to say I can just go back to Paris next week and hit those things. But uh, I know not everybody can do that. So, But it's just finding a balance in traveling to yeah. enjoy the moments and not overdo it. Well, I, I can't help but think that, um, no, I, I don't get to do that. But boy, would I love to. But do I do that in my own area? Because there are places that you know, people talk about coming to and, and you live there and you go, Oh, I never really thought about going there. Even though, I mean, we live close to the Capitol and there's all kinds of things, but there's all kinds of little quaint places. Um, And I like the idea. I think that some of the like zoos and, and um, 
um, science centers, they kind of got the idea if they gave you a membership, you'd drop in for an hour and see the one thing or come at the time when an animal is doing what you'd like to see. And by having a membership, you didn't feel stressed. You could just go do that one thing. So maybe if we look at travel that way a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nothing is like my friend, she came to visit and the only thing she wanted to do was see David. That's that in Florence. That's easy. I'll just book a trip. We just booked a trip to Florence and we hit that one thing that she wanted to do. And we were able to spend just a few days, you know, relaxing and kind of seeing the things that we wouldn't normally see otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I have a thing for churches. I love to go in churches and look at stained glass and just and absorb the culture inside there because they're so different throughout Europe. Um, we have, that's one of the things that we like to do. And that's not something that I would be able to do with some other people that I might travel with. That's not something that they find generally interesting. So I like having the part, like the travel partners to kind of up with what I like a little bit. Yeah. And it's not all about them when they visit, they want to make sure that I'm doing something that I enjoy Um, I do find that when people come here, it's, or, you know, people go anywhere. It's, it's not focused on the group of making sure that everybody is getting everything that they want. It's like, you know, like for me, Disney world is not my, my cup of tea. Yeah. Cause you have to have a schedule to go to Disney world and I find it stressful and it takes the fun out of vacation. Uh, I'm more of the, Hey, let's, get that tour done but let's you know find some cool place to go into and visit and kind of the off beaten path stuff is more what I like yeah yeah I can see that so have you always been like that is that always been have you always loved to travel is that part of the draw to the mid- military or um, you know not really I never saw myself living outside the United States um I never saw myself leaving Indiana either that's where I grew up and um, I just happened to meet my husband and, uh, after he, uh, he did a tour down Rhein, she came back and said, we're moving to Italy. And I was like, I don't want to go. I want to stay in America. I don't want to live in Europe. I have no desire to ever go there. And I say that it probably took me a year of living in Italy. And that's, I lived there for four years. And, uh, I think it took me about a year to really kind of get comfortable in the culture enough to where I feel like I could go out and about by myself and be okay and comfortable. Um, So no, I really didn't ever see myself like wanting to travel all the time and have all these experiences. It's military has really shifted the way that I live my life. And we've been blessed to always, you know, move every two, not that that's a blessing, but we've been able to move around a bunch. So I always look at it like after three to four years, I'm itching to get somewhere new. (laughs) I've known people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not great for home buying, but um, it's just, I'm ready to go usually meet new friends. I mean, I I can say that I have friends all over the world. Yeah. And that's awesome. If I pop in and fly into Atlanta, like I have friends there if I get laid over or something. And that's one good thing about the military and then the the friends that you meet within the communities, uh, they're lifelong friends. So yeah, yeah. not somebody, you know, that is just going to go away out of my life. You know, it's kind of a bonding experience. So yeah. that is one of the draws to it. 
So in getting comfortable, say when you were in Italy going out, did you have any moments where you were just almost paralyzed of, I I can't go, I can't do, I don't want to, I'm, uh, you're not very empowered. Did did you have any feelings like that or, or do you have to talk to yourself? Like any, like moments in time where I was like that, but I'm definitely this time around living in the Netherlands, much more comfortable. I don't mind just getting in my car and going to the doctor. Um, I don't mind going like a couple of hours uh, in my car driving. Uh, In Italy, I tended just to stick to my, my home base and then my like little town kind of by myself. I would lean a little bit more on my husband and my, my, our mutual friend to kind of uh, take me around a little bit. It it was definitely a different culture. Um, They don't speak English as well, um, or they just don't want to, which is fine. They shouldn't have to. I'm in their country. Right. Um, There's definitely a lot of different things that are very different than America. Like they pump your gas for you. Things close down from like noon to three can't pump gas after hours. Um, just things you have to like learn over time. I think, you know, I wasn't as comfortable there as I am here for sure, but I'm also older. So I think once you hit like 30, you're just like, all right, you know, I can, (laughs) I've had the military throw enough at me. Like you just kind of just roll with it. Um, but I was definitely in Italy much more cautious about, where I was and wasn't as adventurous alone going places. Whereas now I'm just like, all right, see you later. I'm going to head to Belgium today to go hang out in Brussels for a couple hours. And my husband feels comfortable enough with me doing that here versus, I don't know, in Italy, he would have felt comfortable with me doing that. Hey, my wonder moment by moment. Well, and now it's a little bit different in that we have so many tools, you know, to, to get us, uh, places and and help navigate and help in with interpretations as well so my life is very different because of that I think and maybe that was one of the hang-ups in Italy that maybe is why I wasn't comfortable because I was there I don't know 10 to 12 years ago and they were still using um, prepaid phones and then if you left Italy your phone the cost per minute would like triple in Germany. So your phone phones ran out of data really fast. Um, so we weren't texting back then, like the way we do now, we didn't have the GPS. I had a, like an old school Garmin thing and the maps were updated. I definitely can remember being frustrated. If you didn't make the exit for the airport in Venice, it was a two hour turnaround to get to the airport. So if you missed one exit, it took you an hour to hit the next oh, exit the next one. and then you'd have to turn around. So the stressors like that, that I don't think people experience today. And yeah. And then the whole, like, I couldn't live my life without Google translate. It's just definitely a part of my life every day here because Dutch is a language that's not spoken anywhere, but here. Yeah. And it's so many extra syllables and letters. Google translates like my best friend. So <laughs> years ago, it would be so different. <laughs> Yeah. So what's it like not having your family right beside you? Uh, pretty hard. Is it? You, you think you get used to it and you get a little hardened. I get a little hardened to it, I think. 
over the years. Holidays are the worst. Um, watching my nieces and nephews grow up um, is hard. Uh, makes me want to tear up thinking about it. Um, I'm very excited that my husband will be retiring in the next year or two and that we are going to be more flexible to be back in the Midwest around family. Um, our parents aren't getting any younger. And I think that that weighs on me and my husband a lot. And it weighs on us harder when we're overseas because it's not like if my parents called tonight and said something happening, I can't catch a flight out till tomorrow morning. And then it's going to be seven to eight hours before I land. That's usually in a big airport. And then I have to connect to get to wherever I need to go. So we've definitely had some situations when we were in Italy. We've been really blessed here, knock on wood, uh, in the Netherlands. But in Italy, we lost our best friends um, and we weren't able to get there in time. Um, that's kind of always weighed on us. And, you know, we just had family that we've lost through, you know, just old age that we yeah. haven't been able to, you know, give last, get a last memory with because we're over here. So I think, you know, this, while taking this assignment here, we, we were excited. It, it always hurts being so far away from family because you just kind of feel like outsiders sometimes when you're home because you've missed so much. Um, and it takes a while. It will take us a while to get adapted back into that. Uh, my husband comes from such a large family that anytime I go up there, it's just overwhelming because I'm never around that many people. Um, and they're coming here this summer to stay with us for three to four months. And I'm like, that's going to be so much because I'm not used to having somebody else in my house and in my marriage with me. It's always just been me and him. So having family come, you know, that's, it's quite a, like a, it shakes everything up. So yeah, it's definitely hard. I've, I've gotten used to it over the years. I don't travel during the holidays. Um, I don't enjoy it. So um, my husband and I did have a travel van, uh, a Mercedes Sprinter that we decked out. So we were commuting home a lot um, for holidays and anniversaries and those kinds of things when we were in Texas and New Mexico. But um, definitely over the last couple of years as we've moved here, it's been harder. I just know that there's an end in sight and I'm just, you know, praying that everyone holds on. Yeah. So we're yeah. Get home, you know? But, you know, at the same time, I mean, you've got um, people that you're influencing um, that kind of live a little vicariously. And if not that, then you almost give them the boldness to, Hey, I might be able to try to go and do, and, and you may not see that, but I can guarantee you it's there. Um, oh, that's awesome. yeah. Just, just because it's like the, um, I, I don't know. It's just things that I can't envision myself doing. And I see somebody like you doing it. Um, you know, yeah. The people the on like Survivor or some of those yeah. like reality shows that have been separated from their families for like 20 or 30 days. And I'm like, that's so easy. But then I've, but this is, it wasn't ever, it wasn't easy for me in the start. And I have right. to go back. Sometimes I'll, uh, I work as, um, we call them key spouses in the airports. That's what my husband yeah. does. And, uh, I, you know, I help spouses that are struggling or new people coming here that just are having a hard time. 
they've never been away from home. And I have to check myself sometimes because I am a little hardened to the whole military life that I used to be her. I, you know, this wasn't easy. My parents drove me to Colorado and dropped me off and said, all right, well, you married your husband. So here you go. And my parents drove away and I've never lived. I've never been out of the state of Indiana for like more than a week, you know? So now I'm like living in another state and my family felt so far away from me at that point. And then who, you know, then I got the orders to Italy and I was like, Oh no, they're going to be so much further. But, um, I just have to tell them like, it's, it's going to be okay. You have so many avenues to be able to talk to people at home. Whereas 12 years ago in Italy, I didn't have those opportunities. You can FaceTime, you can zoom. Like those things didn't really exist, you know, 10 to 12 years ago. So just when you're having a bad day or you're down, just call your mom on FaceTime. I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but you're still able to have that connection pretty yeah, easily, yeah. at least face to face. Whereas, yeah, you know, that didn't exist a few years ago. So no. I just have to hurt myself sometimes and say, you know, it used to be her. So, um, and I still cry when I leave home, you know, I, I'm still hate when I leave my parents. Uh, it always breaks my heart a little bit. And I think it breaks their heart a little bit when they put me back on a plane. Um, but my parents are great. They try and they, they try and get me to come home as often as I can, uh, you know, financially. And, you know, they just keep me in the loop, sending me pictures. They keep me involved, you know, in my nephew's lives as much as possible. I think it's just having... I know I'm not, I'm just really blessed to have a, such a great family that they keep me involved. I know not everyone has that, but my family does yeah. a really great job with just shooting me pictures from my nephew's cross country meet, making me feel like, Hey, I didn't miss it. Um, I was at least able to be, you know, seeing pictures and involved a little bit. So, yeah. Well, and social media sometimes gives us a, a glimpse into people's lives that you, you almost feel like you're there. And I know it's not a substitute, but when you when you are able to kind of instill in that that nephew of hey you can go anywhere you can be anything you can do anything um, that there's there's got to be something to that too and um, and just the strength I mean you know a lot of women don't don't have that strength and um, so I, I commend you in in taking that position of of being the 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 key person to help. Um, I think it's important because I didn't have that coming in. Um, I didn't have anyone I could really lean on. I didn't grow up in a military community or family. It was just, I didn't know anyone uh, within my community. Um, We didn't have, none of my husband's friends were married. So I didn't have like any other spouses I could go and talk to. Um, So it was really isolating for the first couple years until I like got a job and I met our mutual friend and I got more involved in my military community that I started, you know, feeling not as alone. So I really try when people come here to, you know, give them as much of myself as I can, just so they know, Hey, if they have a question, I'm probably either going to know the answer to it because I've experienced it or, I'm going to know who to go to, to get the answers. For right. Me. So and I think I've done that. I have a lot of spouses that would just shoot me a message. Like, where do I go to get sheets? Or I need to take my dog to the vet. Where do I go in this place? And I, I think it's just building that community. I think like we talked about, that's so important, you know, and that doesn't have to be just the military community, but keeping 
you know, a community around you to, to help you is so important. Oh, that's true. And that, I mean, in your career of talking to college kids, man, to, to let them, it's kind of parallels those, those lives kind of parallel of being, um, figuring out your place in a, a different part of the country or a different country altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Can feel a lot like a freshman in college. Yes. Um, all right. Well, you're not afraid of challenge. You're not afraid of competition, evidently, with Iron Man. So talk to me about that. How did you get involved in that level of competition? And then how do you keep it going from going place to place? Um, so I grew up swimming. Uh, my mom put me in the water at six six months, I think, in mommy and me classes. And she really saw that I took to the water. So by like five years old, I was diving to the bottom of a 20 foot diving wall and pulling bricks off the like five pound bricks off the bottom. So I've always loved the water. Um, and that love translated into competitive swimming. Um, I ended up swimming um, for Indiana when I was in college. You know, it gave me the opportunity to have uh, scholarships and go to school for no cost, which was amazing. I was super benefited. That's hard. That my skills, <laughs> and my, I had some grades, my grades were really good as well to help get me to that. Um, it, but it really installed in me like how to live my life through competitive swimming because I had to become organized because in high school, I think I started in middle school, but in high school I was swimming, you know, 4 a.m., Go to school all day, practice after school. And then I had, you know, homework. So I had to learn how to outline my day um, and get things done, even when you're tired. So procrastination wasn't like a thing that I could really, you know, fall into. So I had to check the boxes because I knew ultimate goal was to swim in college, get a college education without debt that was the main goal. I don't want to say that I loved it, but it met the goal of me getting my degree uh, without having to incur too much cost. I wasn't having to take out student loans basically. So it took a few, I took about five to six years off of swimming um, just because I was burnt out after college and 20 years of it. And yeah, that's uh, a lot. I started coaching uh, in Italy. Actually, I got I got talked into two by a friend to coach <laughs> age group swimming. And I was like, Oh man, I've really missed this. So I started getting really back into that and I coached in Montana. So I've spent like about 10 years coaching. And then I started swimming again uh, with a friend and competing, which was fun. It was fun because it wasn't, there's no pressure. It's yeah. not like in college and in high school where there's, there's a lot of pressure on me all the yeah. time to get fast and score points. And when I was able just to enjoy it again. So that really reignited my desire to, all right, what's, what's next? I have this, I have this talent. So what can I do with it? And my husband actually is an ultra marathoner and he started his, uh, he started with Ironman and he, uh, he, he's always been a runner so he decided, all right, I can swim. I've never biked before. So he actually did a complete Ironman. And I kind of just sat on the sideline and watched, 
watched him train, put all this effort in as I'm just like swimming. And then I started running like a 5k. I hate running. And uh, I've never <laughs> enjoyed swimmers it. do. I enjoy it now. I enjoy it now. I'd rather be in the water than on like yeah. any And uh, he kind of made me level up. He just kind of was doing like everything was like to the next level. And I'm like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So I think it's a mutual challenge between the two of us. Like, all right, if he can do it, well, then I'm going to show that I can do it as well. So uh, I can't right now he's cycling again. He, he just did one marathon and, or one Ironman, I'm sorry. And he was done, but he, he's done like hundred milers. Um, he's done like four or five of those just long distance running. I'll never do those. He can just have that, but uh, <laughs> he's really been my, my, like, I don't know. He's really helped me like get back into the sport and take it to the next level, which would be Ironman. So it's a good time. It's a, it's definitely a lot of work and oh, definitely. Uh, I, I find I do better when I'm busy. I like being, when I don't have a lot going on, I find that I just kind of shut down, but I like knowing that, all right, today I have these meetings and I have this homework to do and I have this training to do. So I'm able to kind of schedule out my day and I find I do better that way. So the, it helps yeah. me a stay organized and moving and you know, also just keeps me healthy too. So, yeah. So if you described a perfect day, would that be, what, what would a perfect day be for you? And I bet you have two different kinds of perfect days. If I, if I well, can, um, a perfect day would yes. be any day when I'm traveling. And honestly, I love to train where I'm traveling. Uh, I love to yeah. go for runs because you just end up in the most, you see the most random but amazing things that maybe you would never see if you were just on a like in a normal city yeah a perfect day would just be a morning coffee a little reading maybe get a get a run or a swim in and studying working on my dissertation that's honestly what I love to do works just a side point but any day that I I love the dissertation phase of my PhD because it's always a adventure what I'm going to find for the day it's like you're just searching and seeking out different information and learning different things that going different ways like it just takes you every which way so tell me about your dissertation what what is your dissertation uh, um so I'm working on there's a so I'm a history uh working on my PhD in history American history and I'm doing my dissertation on the battle of Gettysburg but there's one part of the battlefield at Gettysburg that's hardly visited and it's not talked about. And there's, it's probably the most important part of the battle that no one ever talks about. And that if it had collapsed on the second day of battle, the entire civil war would have shifted in my opinion. So I'm deep diving that particular uh, 1500 man brigade and trying to bring to light what they did and the importance on if they hadn't done what they did, the civil war outcome that we know now might have changed. So is that just deep diving into documents and 
libraries and all of that? Yeah, it's a lot of uh, reading what's already written and taking, you know, primary sources. So going through archives, I'm working with a couple of archivists in New York. Since I'm in the Netherlands, it's very difficult. So I've come back already once and done a hired like a battlefield guide that specializes in that area who's done a dissertation on that specific place, but not as deep as I want to go. And uh, he kind of walked me through everything. So it's kind of coming back and forth, um, but it's definitely just deep diving primary resources and deep diving letters and manuscripts and battlefield reports and just putting it all together, trying to find those things that haven't already been talked about or written about. Um, There's stuff out there that haven't been investigated yet. So that's part of the reason I, I uh, will probably be coming back to the States more in the next I don't know, year or so, just to do those deep dive, those specific things that I want to go look at. But yeah. So a lot of times just wow. investigation. So you must be a curious person. Oh yeah. I could watch true crime all the day, all day long. <laughs> I'm always trying to solve the puzzle. Yeah. Even though I'm puzzles but <laughs> <laughs> I, I always want to know the like I want I don't accept a I don't know or um somebody somebody really not under really not knowing like there's somebody that does know let's go figure it out like it's I just treat life that way like you can't let roadblocks stop you from doing what you want to do there's always ways around it or people that know how to get things done is just making connections and we're trying to figure it out. So, but I think that comes with the military. I don't want to say I've always been that way, but I want to say it probably just comes with the military background and not you're always told, you know, you're always told no, but there's always, there's always a way to get things done. Just figuring out how to get it done. That involves being very independent and headstrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also, you have to know your place and know, you know, how you hold yourself in different situations. Um, Have you had really good role models or mentors along the way? You know, there was one, I, I've worked as like an executive assistant in the air force for commanders for several years, uh, probably about 10 years. And there was one person in San Antonio, um, that really taught me how to to get that stuff done and how to be tactful but authoritative in the same manner mm-hmm. and how to not take no but respectfully challenge people but know your place as well i think it was a fine line um, and she kind of taught me how to do that and i and it's actually made me really successful in my military career um, as a civilian, uh, I was highly sought to work for people and it's actually made me really highly sought in my outside, um, to get jobs as well. That I think people like people that are strong-willed and independent and I don't need constant direction. I'll let you know if I do, uh, if I have questions, I'm never afraid. I think that's the most important thing you don't be afraid to ask questions. Because if you don't ask questions, then, you know, you're never going to, you may not like the answer you're given, but at least you asked. 
I know a lot of people that actually end up getting the answers that they want, but they were just too afraid to ask the question. I kind of have to like, just ask. I'll even ask for you if you want me to. Same, you know, you could see it same with school, same with um, personal life. You just never know until you actually ask. And it's amazing how scared people are to ask just simple questions of things. Yeah. Uh, um, that's even in your travel. You no, know, at least you asked. Yeah. That, yeah. And I, even in your travel um, to ask. Yeah. Simply, could I sit over there? Because the you know the view's a little bit better, but people are afraid to even assert themselves. And I wonder if I could just sit over there. Yeah. And I think maybe having to change dynamics for me so often every few years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it doesn't, it's caused me to be more independent and have to ask those questions. My spouse is not available to me all the time. Right. Um I early in our marriage, I would lean on him a lot to. Uh, I wasn't confident enough to even like make phone calls to the doctor or set up appointments for somebody to come do something in our apartment. Like I just wasn't comfortable doing those things because I grew up, you know, my mom and dad just always did those things for me and I never had to do it. Um, Even through college, I really, you know, I had somebody holding my hand through the entire thing. Um, So it took me, I think probably until moving to Italy and, maybe moving back that I had to learn. It was probably coming back because my husband was gone three to five days a week, um, not accessible to me at all. And I had to get things done. I don't have time to wait for him. So I finally just had to give in and it's been great for me. It's made moving a lot easier now that I can have the confidence to get things done on my own. My spouse actually came to the Netherlands um, four months ahead of me because I got a promotion at my job and I wanted to be there for a little bit to enjoy the promotion. But that with that comes him knowing that I had to take care of selling a house, which meant showing it, dealing with the realtors, closing. I had to ship my truck across the United States to the Netherlands. I had to pack out our house, um, ship the dogs. You know, there, there comes a lot with moving with the military overseas. And you know, all he had to do was sign a piece of paper and, get on a plane, I had to move our entire life to the Netherlands. And it was stressful, but we got it done. And it made me appreciate him far more for the things that he does. But I was confident enough to do those things. I didn't need him. So I know coming here that there's nothing that I really can't do or take care of. And uh, I think it just has built my confidence over time. So there are some positives to be in the military. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, that's, it's interesting that you talk about that because that's, you hear the word empowerment thrown around so much and, you know, being independent and and women asserting themselves in, in their own roles. Um, But I mean, you really gained some strengths somewhat by choice because you could have chosen to, to not take on those Mm -hmm. roles that you had to, but but how does it make you feel now? I mean, it, it sounds like you you said you're pretty confident in doing where you are, partly because of that. Um, I really try and like turn around and help women who are, or no, I don't even want to gender classify it, spouses that come that are in the military that, you know, feel 
that they aren't empowered. Like they feel like they can't go do anything on their own. Um, they need their spouse to, to help them get things done. And I really try and to take that factor away because you don't need them to get stuff done. You just got to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. So I, it's not easy. There are days that I go places and, you know, oh, this no one speaks English here. This this is going to be a, a good time. But you just kind of have to learn to be uncomfortable. That's really it. Oh, wow. Learn to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you just got to learn to be one. uncomfortable. It, living in a foreign country is never comfortable. Uh, there's always, you know, you always feel like, an outsider until you get involved in the community and make friends. And I mean, I feel like the Netherlands is my home, but you know, it takes a couple of months to get the lay of the land and understanding where to, you know, it's even simple. Just so where do you buy dog food? Um, you know, the, the Dutch are very friendly people and they're, but their, their English is great, but they don't, they're not comfortable using it. So I actually have found, um, I go to physical therapy um, so where we are, we don't have any like American, no, there's nothing American here. So you're forced into the community here. You don't have a choice, um, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. People, immersion. <laughs> yeah. Immersion is like your force. It's forced immersion here, which is great. <laughs> I love it. But others do not. And uh, they love when I come in to physical therapy because they get to work on their English. Yeah. You get to be a practice. <laughs> so I'm like a practice for them. And they love when they don't know. It's the same everywhere I go, like to get my hair cut or so I just treat it as like a, you know, I'm like kind of like a, a show pony when I walk in and they're, they just, they get a thrill out of it because they've all learned English, but it's not something they use hardly ever. So right, right, right. just finding those little things that helps make this place. Okay. But I really try and get the spouses here out of their homes and into the community because otherwise you're just going to be depressed and hate it yeah. here. Well, another yeah. thing that, that you've probably had to adjust to, especially living outside of the U S is finances. Finances yeah. can be a little bit more complicated I mean, even just in a military family within the States, but, um, but how, how have you navigated spending money and, and um, knowing how to manage the money over there? You know, it, it kind of takes a community uh, here um, because everywhere is every country is different. Um, even countries within the European union refuse to use the Euro. So it's really just, um, making sure I've done just a quick deep dive on the country before I leave, uh, knowing what the money is going to look like. Um, but really everything is pretty modernized nowadays to where you can use your visa and MasterCard pretty much everywhere, except the Netherlands. And they yeah. have their own banking system here that is nowhere else in the world, but <laughs> that's a side oh. fact. And, uh, but it's difficult, you know, you can't just walk into a bank here and get a, a debit card in like two days. It takes almost like a month to six weeks to get a debit card. So it's, it's, uh, can be very difficult. Um, and it can be a bit of a struggle, but it's just talking to other people and finding how they, you know, have had to get things done and how to transfer money from a U.S. bank to a, to a European bank 
how long does it take? How much does it cost? It's just, you got to kind of figure out those little tips and tricks to save yourself money on the end because we still get paid in dollars, but our lives are in Euro. So um, my husband and I, we've, uh, you know, we kind of budget because we, you have a U.S. bank, but we also have a Dutch bank. So we have had to figure out, all right, how much money are we spending in bills on this side and and make the most of our money when we make a monthly transfer to cover all of our um, necessities in the Netherlands. So I think it's just helps you be better financially, um, financially aware of what you're spending your money on and how you're spending it um, because you do incur costs of transferring money all the time, uh, conversion fees from, you know, currency conversion. And they, they are no joke with their bank fees over here. Um, people, there's no such thing as free checking. Um, you do pay for stuff over here like that. So, and the same with, uh, I want to say that they're actually in the Netherlands and in Europe in general, they're light years ahead of the American banking system. Whereas everything is, you know, with your phone, you don't even really need to carry a card with you. So you can pay for everything everywhere with your, with your phone. And, uh, uh, everything is more secure over here. Actually, the banks, at least here in the Netherlands, for sure. They have so mm-hmm. many security walls up that it's it's crazy, but it's good. You know, I'm not ever getting the, oh, we shut your card off because of fraudulent activity. It just those things don't happen um, as frequently here. I've actually never had any issues. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of learning all the ins and outs and trying to make the most of your money. So, cause it can be very costly to convert money all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't have that, um, last minute decision. No, no, you have to like, I, I can't just say, Oh no, I need a hundred dollars. You actually have to go into apps and transfer it. And then it has to post to your account. It can take several days, like over the weekend, you know, from, I think we transferred money on the 28th and we just got it today. Um, the banking oh, wow. system was down between yeah. U.S. banks oh. and you know the Netherlands just took way longer than normal. But those are things that you just have to learn and account for and be patient with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, something. Yeah, it sounds stressful. But another thing that I kind of thought of there is um, y'all have to have some couple communication skills that maybe have to be a little bit stronger than than those that we have. Was that something that you just kind of came into your marriage with, or have y'all had to work some of those things out and have a method? I think we've definitely had to build that over time. It's definitely not something that we, we did in the beginning, I would say probably in the last five years. um, And even more so here, like we've just been very open with, what we're spending. Um, we've always had shared accounts, so we've never had separate, uh, separate accounts. So he could always see what I'm spending, but he never really cared. Um, he never really cared to pay attention until I think we, we bought our last house and then, you know, retirement's creeping, creeping in. So, you know, we sat down and had an open communication on, all right, this is where we want to be when we get out of the military. So that comes, I mean, it's never an easy conversation and we both uh, make mistakes, you know, or overspend or 
you know, maybe should have talked to our spouse before we did something or spent too much on a trip, you know, spent too much on travel. Um, but I think it's definitely has caused us to have to have those open, but sometimes hard conversations. Um, sometimes he tells me, yeah, really, could you just not travel? <laughs> you know, you know, he tries not to limit me on what I'm doing and the same for us. Like we always want each other to be doing you know, out doing the next best thing and living our best lives. But you have to do that financially responsibly as well. So um, I may not be able to stay in quite the high-end hotels that I always want to stay in. I might be able to do that once. And on the next trip, I'm not going to be able to do that. So it just takes open communication between he and I. And it's never easy. But I definitely say over the last, probably even over the last year, we've really... uh, speak more up openly about things um, just because we both have the same goals uh, by 2025. We want to, we want to have these things done. So it's going to, it's going to cost us each something to be able to meet those goals. And we have to be on the same page to be able to do that. So, and you have to be open about things to be able to meet those goals. So. Uh, You said you have said several times in the conversation um, goals, goals, setting goals, Mm -hmm. Um, and working towards goals or knowing what you're going for or kind of working with what you have and looking at the end, that seems to be a theme for you. Yeah. And I live my life. I don't have goals. And what am I doing? I'm not the type of person that can just get up in the morning and do nothing. Like I have to have, I have to have an insight to something like what am, or what am I training for? All right. I have an Ironman scheduled. So this is, all right, I have a timeline of how I need to get things done. Can't slack on the timeline. Um, Same with school. Uh, What do you, you know, that's a hard conversation with my husband. All right, if we're going to spend the money on this, what are you going to do with it? Is it going to be another degree that you just go back and work for the federal government and you don't do anything with? He's like, I want to make sure that if you're spending the time and the money to do something that we have a, we have an end goal for this. What is that end goal? So I think that's really important to establish. Same with, you know, our careers. My husband and I talk all the time. What are you going to do when you get out? What's what's the goal? What can we do as a team to make sure you meet that goal? So it's just uh, we're both very goal-oriented people. That's probably why we work so well together. Um, and we do crazy things. People always – but you always just have to have something. I, I couldn't imagine not having goals goal setting is super important, short-term and Mm long-term. So, I mean, I have a long-term goal to get to the, to the Maldives. That's something I want to do. So I'm saving money. Uh, My, my friend, our mutual friend and and I have always wanted to go to the Maldives and it is so expensive to go, but what do we got to do to get there? All right. So she and I are working on a plan to, all right, when do we want to meet this? When do we want to go? All right, let's figure out how much it's going to cost how much we need to save to get there. Um, so even simple things like travel. I mean, she and I have a, like, before we die list of every place that we want to travel, you know? And it's like, well, okay, well, we can see each other in three to four months. Where are we going to go on this list? So we even have like a goal sheet for travel. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very goal oriented. <laughs> yeah. It's very intentional. Uh, and it's like, um, but 
you know, you say that and I go, would I even know where I want to put on my before I die, where I want to travel list? Would I, have I spent that much time with it? And so you spend time, does that come from reading or meeting people or where, where do you generate the, Hey, I want to go. I think it's just always the need to explore and learn. It's the, it's it's the driving point of learning. I think that's just always kind of defined my life. Like I want to learn everything about everything. So, I mean, if I read a story or watch a movie or even see it, heck a Facebook ad, like I, I actually go and investigate that place. Like if it draws enough attention for me, I will go and kind of look at it. I'm like, is this someplace I want to go? Oh, Maldives? Heck yeah. I want to go. Same with, uh, I think I've, I was always wanted to go to Thailand. And I've always wanted to, I set a goal by 45 to hike to Evers Base Camp. I, I'm like, I just think that that experiencing Nepal and the culture and the hike itself to see like the top of the world, I, I mean, I think it's always just the drive to learn and explore because I'm only given one life. I don't want to waste it. I mean, I love to sit and watch Netflix as much as everybody else, but I have to take the opportunities where I'm given. I mean, I'm in good health. I'm in good shape. Um, You don't know what life's going to hand you. So you got to take what time you have to travel and do things because life can be short. Um, I think that really came on. And I want to say that probably took my husband's best friend is a good, like a very close, almost brother for me uh, passing away just suddenly like, wow, he's 28 and gone. He like, I mean, that's it. That's all you get. So, and I think you see that so much nowadays, people are, people, uh, people are taking the time to go do things they enjoy and they're missing out on so much, I think. So I just, I agree my own life not to do that. So I'm guilty of taking a, you know, a Friday or a Saturday and watching Netflix just like anybody else, but I still have still have my goals and I'm still doing things and still traveling and exploring. So, well, and I can pretty much imagine that you might be sitting there Googling something that just came up on a movie that you're watching on Netflix. (laughs) Is that real? And that's, I think it's who you surround yourself with as well. Oh yeah. I, I really, I surround myself with people that love to do the same things that I do. So I surround my people with people that love to travel. I have a girlfriend here who, if we want to, you know, run into Belgium for a day, she's down to go. So it's, it's having those kind of people and, you know, our mutual friend, she comes here like once every three to four months and we always have a, Hey, I'm going to see you again. And this is what we're going to do. So we're already planning our next trip for like March. Um, so it's just having that And my husband, he's willing to get in the car and go wherever I want to go. Um, he's down for whatever, which makes him a great partner to have I think it's just who you surround yourself with so what place would you go back to tomorrow if you could Florence Florence Italy yeah it's uh there's just something about it I don't know it's a it's very low key low key and it's like the definition of what you see Italy is like um 
sitting on a sitting in a cafe drinking a glass of wine and eating pasta that's like a perfect day for me so it's like where I'm probably my happiest is in Florence um I've been there with both my spouse and my best friends and I'm looking at taking a couple of friends in a couple of weeks to go back down there because they've never been and that's one thing that they want to do and check off on their bucket list before they leave Europe so I'm like heck yeah let's I'm I'm down to go because it's just my favorite place it's it's beautiful and easygoing and not a lot of traffic it's just it's not overrun with tourism it doesn't feel like it is I guess like going to Rome you just feel like you're overwhelmed with all the tourists everywhere and I try and avoid those kind of places I don't like to stay all I don't like to stay the night there I'll just go in and and leave but Florence just never has that vibe it's very Hmm. laid back and friendly and feels like home. Oh, that's interesting. So you've made a lot of homes all over the world, which is, is challenging and fascinating to me. Um, if, if you had to put a challenge out there for um, women in general, what would that challenge be? You know, just live 100%. Don't, don't be told that you can't do something. Just get out there and get it, you know, figure out how to get it done for yourself because you only have one, one shot at everything, right? One life to live. So don't let people stand in your way and be a roadblock. There's always a ways around everything. Um, just figuring out how to get it done. And that's how I've lived my life. Um, I'm not going to have anyone tell me that I can't do something my, like my, my own family didn't think that I could do an Ironman challenge accepted. If (laughs) challenge accepted, you don't think that I have the capabilities to do it. All right. Well, I'm going to meet those. So don't let people tell you, you can't do something because if you put your mind and your heart into something, you can do it. The world's limitless. So Uh, One of the questions I was going to ask you is when you hear the word competition, how do you feel? But I I can answer that one probably for you. Yeah. I mean, within reason, I think I I don't, I don't like being told that I can't do something. I usually will figure out a way. Um, I'm not like, but I'm, I'm very type A, but I also am not like a rude type A. I'm not going to be in your face. Like I'm very like focused and center. If I'm competing, I don't like a lot of people around me. Um, same in my work life. I, If somebody tells me I can't do something, I will be quiet about it, but I'll get it done. I will figure out how to get it done. I won't make like a big, I won't make a big spectacle out of it. Yeah. I just accept that challenge and all right, I'll see you and I'll raise you because I'll get it done. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. Lacey, we've talked about a whole lot of different things. Um, Anything we haven't touched on that you would like to make sure that we do? No, I think we've, I mean, we've covered traveling and school and military life. I think it's just, uh, you know, I've lived a very verse and I mean, I would have loved to grown up where I grew up and, and live that you know, lived down the road from my parents and enjoyed seeing everybody grow up. But I also wouldn't trade my my life and my experience 
yeah, I think it just makes me a more marketable and more, uh, more independent, desirable person to have on people's teams outside of, uh, outside of the military way of life. Um, it's helped broaden my, broaden my skill sets and, um, made me have a lot of experiences that I can use to my advantage um, when I'm in the job market. So I always just make sure that people know that don't ever turn down opportunities. That's kind of another way that I've lived my life is if somebody gives you an opportunity to learn something or go somewhere, you know, take it because you never know if that connection or that experience or that skill that you've learned is going to be able to be applied to something else. So. Oh, that's true. And you don't get the privilege to see that um, every time. You just have to so, own faith. Yep, I'll take it. It's and, definitely uh, something I've had to learn over the last like five to 10 years. If you would have had this conversation with me when I was in my mid-20s, I would have been like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> now it's I don't turn down anything that I'm ever presented with. You yeah. want to go do this or you want to take this class to learn this skill? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, if you had a superpower, just one superpower and you had it for 24 hours, you could use it personally, professionally, what would it be and why would you choose it and how would you use it? Ooh, that's a good one. I think I'd like to be invisible because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that I always speculate that are happening. <laughs> um, around me, especially in the professional life right now. I feel like there's a lot of things that are happening that I'm not privy to know or to understand why things are happening. And uh, I would love to be invisible for 24 hours just to be observant of what people are doing and decisions that they're making. I know that's kind of creepy, but it's professional only, <laughs> but I just think that, uh, yeah, there's, there's some things that people don't like to say. And for me, that drives me nuts when people are not uh, upfront about things and there's a lack of integrity and forwardness, um, being open about things that are occurring. I, that's the kind of stuff that drives me nuts a little bit, makes me anxious. So um it's not how I live my life. If I know something is occurring, I will, or if I don't understand something, I'll just ask you directly. So I'm a very, uh, like forward person, I guess. And I think that comes with confidence. You have to build that, but, um, yeah, I would love to be invisible just to see what they're, what they're up to and why they're doing it. It might help me understand a little bit better. Yeah, I can see that. Um, if people want to follow you along or uh, do you have a, a social media outlet that you put things out in your travel or is there a yeah, way they I'm could slowly, contact you? I'm still on Instagram. I, I'm not big on Facebook anymore. Um, I just usually use Instagram and it's uh, at LACE0411. And you can usually catch where I'm traveling and or training or um even professionally teaching, you can hop in. I might be in Antwerp tomorrow or off running a 5k, you know, the next day. So I usually try and document where I'm at, what I'm seeing, 
and uh, how training is going and, you know, big things like that. Sounds great. Lacey, thank you so much. It's been fabulous. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family, to philosophy, to work, to meal prep, to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it.